0: Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: Imagine you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia, the CIA, and the KGB. That's where my new podcast begins. This is Neil Strauss, host of To Live and Die in L.A., and I wanted to quickly tell you about an intense new series about a dangerous spy taught to seduce men for their secrets and sometimes their lives.
2: Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
3: Hello, and welcome to Cool People Who Did Cool Stuff. It's a podcast. The guest is Garrison. The producer is Sophie. Garrison, how are you doing?
4: I'm doing very well. Excellent. Sophie, how are you doing?
5: I'm doing very well.
4: Everyone's doing I'm feeling so, so well. festive and cheery, and so
5: I'm festively jovial. Let's do this
4: all right. very Saturnalia chaos pilled, so yeah,
3: yeah. And our audio is done by Ian. Our music is done by Unwoman. In part one, we learned all about the pagan shit Christmas borrowed from. Today, we're talking about my favorite Christmas, which is medieval Christmas. Medieval Christians had not forgotten their pagan roots. They were, again, this is purely from my point of view, basically just pagans who like crossed themselves and went to church sometimes because otherwise people were just talking to them in Latin and they just kept being doing whatever they wanted to do. That is my totally historical, I'm an anthropologist. Anyway, Christmas in medieval England was a lot of fun. For starters, there's 12 days of it, like the song. On Christmas Day, there are church services. There was, then there was drinking, feasting, and games for about two weeks the 12th day of christmas was called epiphany or sometimes just 12th day and is more important than christmas day in medieval christmas it represents when the three wizards we talked about last time who totally belong it's like it's like if you're reading a story where there's only one wizard and then all of a sudden there's just like a reference to three other wizards and they're just never talked about again because like in in like christianity no one can do magic but like god right but then there's just some fucking wizards
4: yeah, I mean, there I mean there, there there is there is a few other other there is a few other people who do magic um in the oh, Old okay. test, in the Old Testament, but it it's like, oh yeah, that's true. If you do it, you're basically working with demons or Satan. So like you can do it, it's just evil. Yeah. Okay. And then of course like in Gnostic Christianity, everyone can do magic because everyone is Jesus. All right. What's that meme? I would like to know
3: more about your religion and please give me a pamphlet. <laughs> There's like a meme where people, like, like someone says something that you think is cool. And it's not like a meme, like an image meme. It's like a a thing people say on the internet. Maybe I'm the oh. one who says it. Where someone says something and you're like, ah, I would like to know more about your religion. Please give me a pamphlet. Anyway, <laughs> Epiphany represents when the three wizards showed up and were like, damn, this kid is important. I think his dad is God. And a couple hundred years from now, there's going to be a big fuss about whether that means it literally or not. Because, spoiler Early Christianity spent a lot of time getting into very heated debates with some death involved about
4: whether or not Jesus was the Son of God or God literally or whatever any of that shit means. And, and unfortunately, the Catholics won that debate and the Gnostics didn't. Boo. Boo. Although, would we be sitting here like right
3: now, 1700 years later, if the Gnostics had won? The, the Gnostics would, would have be, come into power the, the world would and have it would have been just so as different. shitty.
4: But they would have I, been just as shitty. I don't know. I I because I, like the Gnostics are way less hierarchical than the Catholics. Yeah, like, yeah. Catholic Maybe. like, like mm-hmm. Catholicism is so built on hierarchy. Like they build the hierarchy of angels. They build the hierarchy of like of 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 like hell of, of, of reality. Um, yeah. Whereas the Gnostics are like everyone can be their own savior, and we should ah. all f- and we should all fight the demiurge. Like we we need to fight, all fight God and become our own savior generally way more decentralized. Right. But the Protestant revolution was also the decentralization of religious
3: authority and it did not... It was at best a lateral move in terms of actual liberation for the world because it made everyone cops instead of one cop far away that you can ignore.
4: Yeah, I mean... Prostitism
3: I'm not, I'm not is, trying to come is, for the Gnostics. I'm just like I just think it'd be really funny and interested if like the Gnostics had won that fight and then the Catholics have been like the cool underground one that like people totally were totally like,
4: possible. It's uh, yeah. that is that is that is definitely completely possible that the world would have been just as shitty. But there's no way to interesting know because yeah. it's it's such a different theology.
3: Yeah. Anyway, uh, <laughs> thanks for coming down that with me. So, Midnight Mass has been part of Christmas since basically forever, starting around 400 AD, because Christ, who's totally not the sun, was born at exactly the darkest time of the darkest night of the year, just when the sun starts returning, totally unrelatedly. It's just a weird coincidence of when he, when his mom got knocked up by an angel.
4: Funny how that worked out.
3: Yeah. St. Nicholas got attached to Christmas when the Protestants, who were trying to phase out all the pagan holidays, and fun in general, they uh, especially the Puritans... They crammed him into Christmas instead of his traditional day, December sixth, which was the day that everyone used to give people presents. People gave each other presents a lot during a lot of these times, but like giving kids presents was like a Saint Nicholas Day thing, and some places I think it still is. And then they were like, "No, it needs to be like the presents need to somehow be like God presents, not Saint presents." So it got moved to Christmas, so we could put the Christ in Christmas, you know. And St. Nick himself was kind of interesting in his own right. His whole thing
4: was he like gave shit away to people, which is like, all right. It seemed, it seemed like he was kind to sex workers, uh, which is nice, I guess. It's the main way to judge
3: someone, honestly. Yeah. Anyway, uh, medieval peasants, they remembered some of those pagan roots. And because of that, there was ritual transvestism as part of Christmas. Continuing to be extremely based. And there was feasting and merriment, etc., And the church didn't like this. They just couldn't do anything about it. (laughs) They tried. They tried two different things. It's the same two things that everyone uses to try and stop the power of Christmas. First, you try repression. And then when that doesn't work, you try co-option. If you can't beat them, join them. Yeah, basically. That is what happened, is the Catholic Church didn't steal Christmas. The Catholic Church acquiesced and joined Christmas. Is how, is my reading on this. Yeah. In seven the year 742, a bishop wrote to complain about the, quote, singing and dancing in the streets in pagan style, heathen acclamations and sacrilegious songs, banquets by day and night, the wearing and selling by women of phylacteries and ligatures, which I think means like sex charms and love charms. Okay, okay. They did better with co-option, and they really worked on the sanitization of Christmas. And that's the... The real war against Christmas is the sanitization of it. The gift-giving got replaced, as you pointed out, by gifts of the magi, and the whole thing was treated as if it was about Christ or whatever. But the cool shit continued to filter through. Take Christmas carols. The medieval versions of Christmas carols were based on a pre-Christian style of singing where a leader sang a verse and then a crew of dancers sang and danced the chorus together. And this got lewd and I am so annoyed that I could not find more information in history besides it got lewd.
4: Okay, okay. I would, I would love to see. Yeah, what? Uh, the the two things in all of the history should I read? The two things that are written
3: out of it is fucking sex work and drugs, like any hedonism and and sex. Yeah, because all more the because all the people that work.
4: write this stuff down are all nerds. I know. And (laughs) the wrong kind of nerds. Yeah. None none of them actually do the cool stuff. They're all like, they're, yeah. Yeah. They're
3: like, tee hee hee, it got lewd. I'm like, does that mean they showed their ankles or were there orgies in the streets? Yeah. Because both are entirely possible. I know. People did weird shit. People still do weird shit. (laughs) Right now, in any given town, you could go to a club where people are like, tee hee hee, I can see that person's ankle. Or you can go join a weird public orgy. <laughs> like yeah. it still happens. So then there's the feast of the innocents, which is a feast day that gets a, it gets assigned to a bunch of different days in different traditions and calendars and shit. Uh, it's usually December 28th in the current tradition, whatever. But I'm gonna call it December 28th. And the feast of the innocents is weird. It's about when King Herod of Syria killed all the boys under two years old, like tens of thousands of kids. This is probably folklore. It probably didn't happen. I don't know. Like the Bible, I guess. And these kids are seen as the first martyrs of Christianity. And I've read two versions of what happens on the feast day of the Feast of Innocence in the in the medieval tradition. They are very different takes on what happens on this day. One is sick. It's a role reversal for kids and adults. You go, there's like just, it's just a chaos day. Yeah. Kids run around. The kids like run the Catholic mass. Uh, They tell everyone what to do. The parents have to listen to the kids. And there's another version of the Feast of the Innocents, which is like this shitty game of hide and seek where all the kids hide and then the parents try to find them. And if they find the children, they beat them. What the
4: fuck? Wait, whoa, whoa. Those are so different.
3: They're so different.
4: What is going on? <laughs> I don't know. I, the subtext
3: of the beat, the kids one is a little bit like the parents might not have tried to find the kids. It might've been like, get out of our hair or we'll hit you. Intra- hmm, okay. <laughs> we want to have like, yeah, yeah. Mommy adult time or whatever. <laughs> I don't know. I can't. I'm so annoyed. I, you know, like sometimes I, sometimes in these episodes, I wish I had like months per episode you know
4: yeah because that is that was i mean is it likely that just like both happened at different places honestly that's my best guess yeah because we're talking about like medieval england i'm talking
3: about like 500 to 1500 in the entire continent of europe sure sure yeah because
4: it's like one of those is much more similar to like the saturnalia role reversal thing yeah And the other one is uh, just child abuse. (laughs) Yeah, totally. And there's more role reversal.
3: That's a hard. That is is a hard
4: thing to say. Yeah,
3: yeah. In medieval England, and again, medieval. Oh, actually, well, this one I can give you a specific country. England. A random peasant would, you draw lots again, and instead of being the king of Saturnalia, you are the lord of misrule. Okay, which still sounds pretty cool. It is the single best title that one could possibly have I believe is the lord of misrule and they were in charge and their job is to make sure the revelry was fucking chaos eat dinner at the altar of the church fucking drink Uh, people would complain because random strangers I think like random richer folks coming to town but I I don't know maybe that's like me trying to be like oh it was like based but who knows it might have sucked who fucking knows it was chaos random rich strangers coming into town might get spanked and robbed (laughs) (laughs) and everyone is and people are of course cross-dressing all over the fucking place there is a chance that at the end of his reign the lord of misrule was sacrificed just like might have happened on saturnalia and it's an interesting image and it's presented by like a bona fide folklorist and anthropologist who should know what he's talking about a lot of people are real skeptical i'm i'm skeptical I'm more skeptical about medieval England, humans sacrificing the Lord of Misrule at the end of their week. But, or at the end of the 12 days of Christmas. That'd be a funny end on the 12th day of Christmas I gave you, just literally you're dead now. Just fucking killing you. A lot of the like neat stories about weird wacky ways that people killed themselves and each other from like ye olde times turn out to be just stories. Like the thing, um... The, like, Scandinavian thing or, like, the Swedish thing about, like, old people have to throw themselves off of cliffs in order to die, in order to, like, not take up resources from the community or whatever. I can't remember. It's used in that movie Midsommar. Spoiler, I guess. That's not real, as far as anyone can tell. That's, like, a... That's a story. It's a story, yeah. Yeah. Whereas, on the other hand, most of the stories that hint about fucking and drugs... Seem to actually
4: usually be true and are never yeah, given because enough detail. More people fucking do drugs. Yeah, it's more and sustainable like, than murder. Like, yeah, like you can you can fucking do drugs more than once during your lifetime. You yeah. can only die one time. Yeah, T- typically, unless you are again J- Jesus, Jesus Christ. Christ, the Son of God. <laughs> yeah. The, yeah, yeah,
3: or that guy, the first zombie, uh, who he summoned back from the dead. Oh, uh, Lazarus. Yeah, that's it. And then also one of the reasons I sort of doubt this is that for all of the, I really don't want to be like for good things that Christianity culturally exported, but um, the overall Christianity cut down on human sacrifice a good solid amount whenever it was around.
4: And then they found their way to do
3: killing in other ways. Oh yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. God, maybe that's just all, maybe the crusades were just pent up, whatever. Anyway. (laughs) So the Lord of Misrule ties into, but is distinct from, the Feast of Fools, which started probably in Central Europe. and is, All of these names are so good. I know. And they're all fucking cool things. It started in Central Europe. It's uh, January 1st, Kalends, which is still part of Christmas, if, if you're doing the 12 days. And it was a day of the Feast of Fools was wildness and folly and role reversal and lewdness. And, like, everything is permitted. Very, like, actually kind of, like, Mardi Gras is the sort of modern thing that people would sort of tie this into. And it's all happening, like, in the name of God. But the priests are sitting there being like, fuck, 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 fuck. (laughs) How do we stop this? (laughs) Fuck, 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 fuck. (laughs) everyone's like, in the name of God. And they're, like, doing everything that Christianity normally says not to do.
4: As as, as they're having, like, a transgender orgy. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Yeah. (laughs) And it took a couple hundred years for the church to successfully stomp out the Feast of Fools. Unfortunate. Unfortunate. I know. It's like, to me, it seems like maybe how like a person who lives in England is ostensibly ruled by the English king and a Catholic is ostensibly ruled by the Catholic church. But really people are just people and doing their own thing. And these authoritarian structures are just trying to claim authority that they only somewhat have. And that's how I feel about the like folk Catholicism of this time. Catholicism is... This type of Catholicism is at odds with the church rather than being in, like, obedience to the church. And this seems to be the Catholicism that was actually practiced by a lot of Catholics instead of what people claimed they should be practicing. So, wassailing. So, wassailing is when you demand stuff from people. And do you know who else is demanding stuff from us? From you, the listener? Me?
5: Sophie Lichterman? Sophie.
3: Sophie Lichterman is demanding that in order to continue to eat food on a regular basis. And pay us. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That um, we should shift over to hearing different voices, uh, a diversity of opinions. I have these opinions about cool people did cool stuff. Whereas you might be about to hear an opinion that says that you should become a cop. Hopefully those ads are gone now.
5: Yeah, I mean, we really don't have control over most of the ads. Yeah. So we don't endorse them. But yeah. Here's they, some do, they do make products. it so we can do our shows and pay people and eat food and have homes.
3: Yay. Here's some ads.
0: If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: This is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV True Crime Podcast, To Live and Die in L.A.,
2: And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. We are back.
3: Wassailing, traditionally done on the Twelfth Night. Wassailing probably gets its name from the Norse. It basically means, like, hail, as in, like, hail and well met, or, like, hey, what's up? Yeah. It means it means be in good health. And it's what predates modern caroling. It basically okay, means okay. go around and make the rich people give you nice shit by singing songs. It gets referred to as recipient-initiated charity, which is my favorite euphemism is, in the world. That's great. <laughs> because... I would like to present a spectrum of ways of engaging in power. Uh You have top-down charity in which the rich give to the poor, usually in ways that maintain the power structure and, you know. Not based. Make them feel good about themselves. Then there's mutual aid, which is people giving freely amongst equals. And then there's recipient-initiated charity, (laughs) a.k.a. give me your shit. (laughs) Unfortunately, I mean, there's a kind of a way of seeing all of this like revelry, this sort of negative interpretation of all of this stuff that I really like. I, re- I don't subscribe to this belief, but it is the danger of all this revelry is that it lets out pent up aggression. If yeah. you get to be in charge, if you're an ancient Rome and you're enslaved and you get to be fed
4: by your master for a week, a year, you're less likely to revolt. Yeah, this is the same type of thing we see a lot of the time, and like, uh, it's the recuperation of like anti-capitalist resistance and sell- selling it back to you in a way that is palpable. But yeah, by 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 doing that exchange, you feel like you are living in a world where where there actually is actual resistance, but a lot of it is paid for. Yeah, like it's 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 the the one of the few good jokes from Rick and Morty. Is the is the uh, is the simple Ricks wafers and how okay. they start selling the simple Ricks Freedom wafer selects? How you can you can, <laughs> you can you can you can buy this wafer and it gives you a taste of what it's like to be actually truly free, and <laughs> so, so like it's it's and it's and and this this wafer flavor was was designed by like studying the brain of someone who just laid like a revolt against a factory. Okay. Um, and it's like getting this, getting the getting this taste into 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 the wafer and th- this mm. person worked at the wafer factory so it's this company that is like using this revolt to make more uh-huh. of their products and you can you can engage with it and it gives you a taste but then it's actually it's 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 just going to prolong the amount of time that you're living under this because now right. you have this l- little bit of the taste and what i would argue
3: is that when the government or the forces that be or whatever the fuck do this kind of stuff to us, it's dangerous for them. It's not as completely under their control as they would like to claim. You know, um, like, sometimes these things, these things that to them are like controlled burns get out of control. And and I would argue that as they, like, let the steam out of the pent-up, I mean, how many metaphors can I possibly use here? But, you know, as they let the steam out or whatever, right? Let out the pent up energy yeah. or whatever so that the whole thing doesn't explode, it still sometimes is like actually teaching us.
4: Like sometimes you get that taste of that wafer in your mouth and you're like, you know what? What if we had the whole fucking factory? What if we had that all the time? Yeah. yeah. No, yeah. Like that, 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 that's the same thing. I, like, I was talking with this with people when, um, the TV show Andor finished coming out, yeah, which we, like, I loved. How did How did Disney allow them to make this thing that's showcasing how to do all these yeah. various forms of resistance? And there's a part of it that's like they're selling you back this version of right of, of uprising for us to consume. And maybe if we just consume that, we'll be happy enough that we're that we're able to consume this thing that we'll forget that you can do this in in right. the real world. But I don't. I think that is. A I'm not position that worth considering, yeah. But I don't, I, I don't think it's it. It has the full picture.
3: Yeah, yeah. I think what happened there is that you have people who actually. It's less that Disney was like ha ha ha. This is our big evil plan. I mean, like, like what if there was like a a single radio conglomerate that controlled like half of podcasting Ima- and all imagine. the radio stations? Imagine, and then, wow. And then people got paid to talk about rebels, on their network, right? Yeah. I would argue (laughs) that they would be doing these hypothetical people would be doing it to make use of a power structure that exists uh, like rather than like for the sake of that power structure. And it's a dangerous and complicated game. But the the old cliche is that the the last capitalist will sell you the rope with which to hang him. Yeah. And that doesn't mean he doesn't
0: he still gets hanged. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Yeah,
3: yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is why I like that saying, and people use that saying to mean the opposite, and I'm like, no, No, that's fine. The capitalist is still dying. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, And anyway, recipient-initiated charity, big part (laughs) of what's sailing. It's like the role reversal thing. So peasants would go to their feudal lords or just like rich people. And they would sing and demand good food and booze and sometimes just straight up money. And this looked lots of different ways. Sometimes it's like you show up and you're like, give us your figgy pudding or we won't go away. And they're like, ha 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 ha, here's your figgy pudding. And then you're like, thank you, sir. And everyone feels really good about themselves. And sometimes there's all these like people writing, complaining about being like, the rich people are afraid to leave their houses because gangs of youth are outside stationed to rob them. So there's like a whole spectrum, yeah, of wassailing. Uh, Sometimes people would curse the rich people, but you know, totally not pagan, just regular curses, good Christian curses. Yes, yes,
4: all all of those Christian curses. (laughs) Yeah, sometimes they would
3: vandalize the place, and this is actually the the root of trick-or-treating as far as I can tell.
4: Trick-or-treat. Yeah, that's what it was reminding me of.
3: Yeah, it's, give me some candy or I'll egg your fucking house, is like the, once you're like 12 or 13, you know, that's the level of trick-or-treating or or whatever. (laughs) Maybe that was just me. Uh, a clergyman from the time said, quote, men dishonor Christ more in 12 days of Christmas than in all the 12 months besides. <laughs> Great. People would drink and gamble and feast and probably they fucked. But, you know, the history books won't say plus they fucked. Instead, they say they engaged in licentatious behavior. Cross-dressing, big part of it. And a oh, b- b- big part of it was sailing. So every single fucking little bit of tradition has people cross-dressing as part of it. There's this book that rules. It's called Witchcraft and the Gay Counterculture. And it was basically a love letter written to me and you, Garrison. Okay. (laughs) Um, It was by Arthur Evans. Probably Robert's dad. I'm not... Can neither confirm nor deny. Um, (laughs) And it talks about how everyone kept dressing up as weird shit. Quote... So common was the practice of animal masquerades in the Middle Ages that detailed condemnations were issued against them. Theodore, a 7th century archbishop of Canterbury, canterbury maybe I wrote that wrong, might be Canterbury, wrote, if anyone in the calends of January goes about as a stag or a bull, that is making himself into a wild animal and dressing in the skin of a herd and putting on the head of beasts. Those who in such wise transforms themselves into the appearance of a wild animal penance for three years because this is devilish. And the same book, Witchcraft and the Gay Counterculture, says, links between witchcraft and transvestism appear regularly in early Christian Europe. In the 6th century, the Christian writer Caesarius of Ares denounced the pagan practices of ritual transvestism and the wearing of animal costumes. 6th and 7th century synods repeatedly condemns trans- condemned transvestism during the popular New Year's holiday where men dressed as women Quote a masquerade, probably originating in a fertility rite of some kind. In ninth century, a Christian guidebook prescribed penance for men who practiced ritual transvestism. A thirteenth century inquisitor in southern France denounced female worshippers of the goddess Diana, along with male transvestites. So
4: this is this is all super fascinating because I I just I just uh, for the last episode of the Tenacious Unicorn mm-hmm. Ranch series, I was writing about there's been these attacks on drag shows by these 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 christian far-right groups yeah um and particularly this past month there's been multiple attacks on christmas themed drag shows (laughs) which is just fascinating because like these 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 christmas themed drag shows are more like traditionally christmas than all of these christians who are attacking them but it's also this interesting look a bit uh, on like this exact scenario isn't new. Yeah. This has been going on for thousands, thousands of, years. of years. As this long as like, there's been Christmas, it's, it's the same thing. They're doing the same thing. <laughs> we're both following into our traditional roles. <laughs> yes. The, these Christians are attacking these other Christians who are these so these, yeah. these holiday like drag performances in the yeah. same way that these Christians are attacking this ritual transvestism. It's the same yeah. shit. Yep. And I love. That the church has multiple times
3: over the years needed to say, please stop cross-dressing and or dressing up like cows. And people just kept being like, no, 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 <laughs> no. we're going to do it. You can't <laughs> stop me. And I'm doing it in the name of God. <laughs> um, And there's also Wild. something in the last, the last line from that last quote about, the Inquisitor in France coming after female worshippers of the goddess Diana along with male transvestites. And there's a bunch of things there. One is that, like, there were a bunch of women worshipping Diana, including cis women and trans women is more or less what that's saying. But also that, like, the modern turfs who want to, like, separate cis and trans women, like, the enemies have been demanding we burn together for a very long time. Yes. Okay, more cool shit about Christmas. The Welsh tradition... Have you heard of Mary Lewd? I don't think so. It's not actually Lewd, like Lewd. It's it's L-W-Y-D. Okay. Okay, so you take a horse skull, right? And you put the horse skull on a stick. Uh, you make like a hobby horse out of it, you know, like
4: a little kid's <laughs> okay. toy yeah. with a horse yeah, head and yeah. a stick.
3: Yeah, and then you drape a sheet sort of over it, like kind of on the neck so that you can hide under the sheet. Okay. And so it's just a horse head on a stick with a person underneath it. And that's, that's your Christmas uh, wassailing thing that you bring around. And so wassailers would take this horrific, awesome horse skull around them with them as they were fucking up the rich and getting drunk. And historians have no idea whether this Welsh tradition, the, the merry lewd, is the gray mare, I believe is what it translates to they have no idea if it's pre-Christian or not or rather lots of people have ideas about whether it's pre-Christian or not but no one can like prove it Um, the records of it go back to about 1800 but they talk about it being a thing from before then another thing that predates Mary Lude is the concept of advertisement
0: so true so true
3: yeah we can all make it through it together
2: And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
3: We are back. You could also wassail an orchard. In case you're ever wondering, you're like, could I wassail an orchard? Well the answer
4: Garrison Davis is that you could if you would choose. What type of things would be at the orchard at the end of December? So I
3: think this is was sailing now taken out of Christmas time. I can't oh, okay. I can't tell. It still might have been because you're not like going and getting the apples at this point. You're blessing okay. the orchard for better uh,
4: harvest in the y- yeah. year to come. Yeah, okay. Yeah.
3: And so it actually still could have been midwinter. I I really kind of like I don't know. I spent a while trying to figure out exactly when they were wasailing orchards. Okay. So, yeah, you can wasail orchards which even up into the 17th century was really fucking pagan. I mean, folkloric or superstitious. People would march from orchard to orchard led by the wassail king and queen to the orchard and drink to the health of the trees and scare away evil spirits. In order to bring about a good harvest, they would lift the Wassail Queen up into the boughs to place booze-soaked bread in the branches. Yeah, huh. totally Christian.
4: Yeah, this is yes. This this doesn't sound like folk paganism at all. No, no, just a
3: Christian thing. Other Wassailing traditions included drinking mulled cider and various types of booze from a Wassail bowl, which is a big communal bowl that everyone drank from, and the drink was called Wassail, because uh, they're really original namers nice and it's been a bunch of different drinks at different times uh for a while it was mead with crab apples later it was cider um like what people drink at christmas now other times it was like ale with baked apples in it basically it's like some combination of like apples of some variety and alcohol
4: i mean and stuff like this has has continued on today this yeah. this, this 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 style of tradition
3: yeah yeah and i really like it this is like one of the things that I'm not talking about that I, in the script, but I, I still genuinely like, like the real at my heart, the reason that I never actually like didn't like Christmas even when I was like a baby anarchist and spent all of my time railing against consumerism and shit like that. And I still believe the same shit I believed, but in a Margaret slightly Kill different Joy, way.
4: N- noted, noted fan of consumerism.
3: Yeah, <laughs> um, but, but like the idea of gathering together with your family in the darkest day of the year and like at the darkest time, like. And it's not just that the light is returning, but it's that the cold is setting in and how hope returns even as things get worse. And I think about this a lot with the current rise of fascism, right? Even when we turn the tide on fascism, things will continue to get worse for a while, but we can't lose hope. We know that as the light returns, eventually delayed, so will the warmth. Um, I really care about both solstice and Christmas, and I like. Uh, I really I'm very blessed in that I come from a, a, a wonderful family um, and, and enjoy gathering with them. And so I, I feel like I need to like shout out that like another important part about Christmas is something that does get held onto through all of it, which um, is fucking t- family togetherness and tradition and all that shit. Um, anyway, that's my, my little earnest moment for the week. Medieval Christmas, I'm all for it. Medieval Christmas is the best of all Christmases. A lot of people weren't for it. The real war on Christmas is the war to sanitize it. It's a war that's been mostly won. The middle class in the U.S. in the 1800s was a big part of the war against Christmas. For some reason, they didn't like drunken poor people showing up at their house, demanding shit and vandalizing their houses. Overall, the U.S., started by fucking Puritans, kind of missed out on spicy Christmas. Yeah. Which is a shame. The traditional Christmas, as we've discussed, be gay, do crime, cross-dress, be a furry, worship the old gods while pretending like you obey the church and the Christian God of your Roman conquerors. And now I want to talk about the first real, I mean, I've been talking about the war on Christmas being the 1700 year long thing. I want to talk about the first time that Christians almost got rid of Christmas, the war on Christmas of the 1640s. In the 1640s, England, they had this whole fuck off civil war thing. It should have been cool, but it actually sucked. It should have been cool because it was a commonwealth wresting power away from a monarch, but it was also, they were Puritans, and they deposed a slightly more religiously tolerant king, and then they turned around and genocided the shit out of Ireland. I have some bias against Cromwell. That will work its way through anything I talk about history. When the Puritans took over England in the 1640s, they didn't like fun. That was kind of their whole thing. Not, not fun enjoyers. And so Christmas became a culture war issue during the lead-up to the Civil War. The middle-class parliamentarians opened their shops on Christmas to say fuck you to the holiday. Christmas was clearly a holdover from Catholicism and therefore a holdover from paganism, and the Puritans don't like paganism or Catholicism, plus revelry and gender-bending. No fucking good, am I right? So true? Yeah, for the most part, commoners wanted nothing to do with either side of this war. They were like, <laughs> the king or the rich people, I'm good. Oh, I forget the name of it. In my civil English Civil War episode, I think I talked about them. There was this whole group that was basically the band of brothers from Game of Thrones. There was this whole group of people who were like, we're just going to defend our fucking towns from both armies because both armies are fucks. Yeah. the The commoners... They didn't want anything to do with the pissing match between the royalists and the parliamentarians and they didn't want to lose Christmas. So in 1643, a bunch of apprentices rioted and smashed up the shops that were open on Christmas because they were trying to deny society its weeks of feasting and merrymaking. based You have to fight for your right to party, which is the only Beastie Boys reference I will ever make in the entire
4: run of this podcast. I do love a riot to ensure the continuation of Christmas. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So the Puritans came out
3: ahead in the Civil War. Then they had King Charles I in jail in 1647. They banned Christmas in England, Scotland, Wales, and Ireland. No mince pies. Like literally they banned not just Christmas, but they banned mince pies, plum pudding, no hanging holly, no excessive (laughs) drinking or parties, And you're required to keep your shops open. No fucking free commerce here. You have to keep your shops open on Christmas. (laughs) This didn't go well. No, this doesn't sound like people would (laughs) respond to this very nicely. No, there were demonstrations and riots all over England and probably Scotland, Wales, and Ireland. Well, Wales, Ireland was busy some other shit around this point. In London, armed soldiers had to break up an unruly crowd to stop the crowd from hanging holly. In Norwich, 40 people were killed when the city's ammunition stockpile caught fire in the rioting. Oh my gosh. <laughs> in Ipswich, which is totally the name of a town and not whatever, supposedly a protester named Christmas was killed, which then got turned into propaganda, which the history book I read was like, and then this happened. I, I don't believe it. I straight up don't believe it. I know that propaganda was made about it, but I don't know that Actually, some protester named Christmas was murdered. (laughs) I am at the very least skeptical. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) People in Canterbury, which is actually a city in England and not just the name of a book I was supposed to read in high school, uh, they rioted. These are called the Plum Pudding Riots. The mayor went through the market and forced everyone to open their stalls for fear. or Like he would throw you in the stocks if you wouldn't open your stalls at the market. So an angry mob followed behind, trashing every shop that opened. So these shopkeepers, they're just fucked. If they open their shop, it'll get trashed. If they don't, they get thrown the stocks. The crowd caught up with the mayor and threw him down into the mud. But he got up and he managed to order the crowd to back off. And then in a move that sounds like someone making fun of England, the crowd produced some footballs and started this massive game of football across the whole city with no rules that dragged everyone into the game or to hide in their houses, which was... Basically, a Christmas tradition was Calvin Ball. Okay. Puritans who tried to stop them were pelted with mud, and the pro-Christmas rioters took their city back from authorities for the day. Later, some instigators were rounded up, but the grand jury refused to indict them, so the Christmas rioters got off scot-free. Again, all for traditional Christmas. Seize your city, party for 12 days, cross-dress, drink other people's wine, play sports that don't have rules. The main fallout for the canceling of Christmas was pretty much the end of the religious component of Christmas. People were like, all right, we just won't go to church on Christmas. We'll do all of the other stuff, but we won't go to church. They also canceled Easter, not the protesters, but the Puritans. I don't really care as much about Easter. Cancel culture strikes again. I know. (laughs) Eventually, you've got the Reformation and people got a king again, which was once again a lateral move. Should have been a make things worse, but... Fucking lateral move. And they also got Christmas back. Um, it wasn't as cool as anymore, though. The Lord of Misrule was gone and forgotten. Lord of Misrule was a died in the Puritan War on Christmas. Wow, that, what, a, what a loss. I know. It's funny to me because it's the exact same sorts of people in the 17th century England banning Christmas that are so adamantly defending it today, right? But, they're, but the thing that they're not defending Christmas, they're just Christo-fascists trying to... Yeah. Like... Defend Christian hegemony.
4: Yeah, they're they're trying to set up a Christian Dominionist state. Like that's that's what they're actually doing. Yeah, totally. Anyway,
3: later in 1659, the Puritans in Massachusetts Bay, they banned Christmas too. Quote, whoever shall be found observing any such day as Christmas or the like, either by forbearing of labor, feasting, or any other way, had to pay a five shilling fine, which was about three days' wages for the average skilled laborer. So it's like I don't know what, like uh, 300 bucks today? I don't know what yeah, a skill thing Yeah, a few hundred dollars. Yeah. Christmas was functionally banned in Massachusetts until the 1800s. When I, when I was a kid learning U.S. history, I always heard about the Puritans as this like poor oppressed minority that fled England, presumably fearing for their lives or some shit. Uh, they never taught us how Puritans in England soon took control of England, or the fact that one of their sticking points had been the reason they felt oppressed is that they didn't tolerate other religions. And literally one of their problems with the king is he was fairly religiously tolerant. He was even married to a Catholic. The religious freedom that the Puritans were fighting for was the religious freedom to not allow religious freedom, which I don't know, might might sound familiar to the modern yeah,
4: listener. Yeah. All right,
3: one more group that tried to get rid of Christmas. Stalin. <laughs> really? <laughs> I didn't know this. In 1929 the USSR banned Christmas. They banned it in the same way that the Catholics banned Saturnalia and Yule and tried to ban Christmas, which is that they tried to ban it, and that didn't work because people just kept celebrating Christmas. So then they co-opted it. The ban lasts from 1929 to 1935 when they realized what everyone has always realized. People need a fucking holiday in the middle of the goddamn darkest time of the fucking year.
4: Especially in Russia. (laughs) I know. <laughs> like, I know. <laughs> those, those poor
3: Russians. So the Christmas trees got rebranded New Year's Fir Trees. Gift giving was moved to New Year's, too. And then that totally materialist, absolutely rational figure, Grandfather Frost, was the one to bring them. <laughs> okay. Uh, people feasted, people dressed up in costumes, totally secular, fun times for all the non religious people in the non religious country. It was probably a little bit bland, a little bit sanitized, like the U.S. version of the holiday. And I I totally get why revolutionaries came for institutions of power, which include the church. Yeah. And I get why people wanted to destroy the vestiges of religion, but people want midwinter celebrations. And frankly, yeah. <laughs> it's going to feel religious, whatever fucking religion. People don't care. It could be Sol Invictus. It could be the horned god. It could be Odin. It could be Yahweh. It could be Marx. Who fucking ever... Give us our figgy pudding, or we'll break your fucking windows. And that, Garrison Davis, is the true meaning of Christmas. Give us our figgy pudding, or we'll break your fucking windows.
4: I've never had figgy pudding, but I'll take your word for it. Yeah, I don't know what figgy pudding is. I assume it's pudding made out of figs. That actually sounds good. Now that you mention
3: it, that that,
4: that does make sense.
3: I, I looked up a thousand things for this episode, because I didn't grow up in a very religious household. And, um... I didn't look up figgy pudding. <laughs> I looked up what was in wassail, <laughs> but I didn't look up figgy pudding.
4: Figgy pudding does indeed have figs. All right. Well, that makes sense. Is it a pudding? Because it's also uh, blood pudding. No, I'm like it's it's, not it's, blood it's, pudding. it's 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 a pudding in the sense of like a British pudding. So like it's like a dessert. Oh. It's like a it's like a more congealed bready type thing. All right.
3: Yeah. You know. I would say it probably tastes good, but I've had some British food.
5: Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna, it doesn't look great.
3: Okay. Everyone, yeah. Google this on your like, own. It looks like meatloaf. That is nicer than what I thought it looked like.
4: It's kind of like, I was, it's, it's nice. kind of fruitcake esque. Yeah, 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 yeah,
5: exactly. Ah,
4: that thing that I mean, no one is eats. A
5: fr- I essentially, it is a fruitcake, but with like, there's You're usually fruit figs egg. and, like, there's some, so a lot tr- of times there's <laughs> Margaret, many alcohol. people are saying this to me. <laughs> a lot of times they put, like, brandy in it. Okay, and okay. And sometimes there's other dried fruits and stuff. But, you know, figgy pudding. That's cool.
3: And on that note, that is the Christmas cool people who did cool stuff in which we talked about Christmas, which is the cool... The
4: cool people are the people who party no matter what, whatever they get told to do or not do. Yeah, the people who are going to be throwing hardened figgy puddings through windows. Yeah, if if they <laughs> if they don't get allowed to take their tree up three flights of stairs and shove it in their apartment. <laughs> yep, because if it's cold, they're cold. Bring the tree spirits inside. <sighs> Which is like a it's like a very like a Miyazaki type type vibe That's true. there. <laughs> And
3: if you want to save money on candles, you can also just sacrifice people uh, and leave (laughs) the bodies in the
4: window. Um, I'm not sure if that's going to catch on anymore. I don't know. We're past (laughs) that. That ship sailed. (laughs) We're having we're having to fight for for like drag queen Christmas. I'm not sure if we're ready to fight for the dead bodies in the windows. Okay,
3: we're ready to fight for a 1000-year-old Christmas, but not ready
4: for We're going to defend our traditional Christmas. values. All right. All right. Go out there
3: everyone and defend your traditional values of people's This part's not sarcastic. People should be allowed to have fucking drag shows. Jesus fucking Christ. What the fuck is wrong with people? Yeah. That's what I got.
5: End of your plugs anyone or fuck it all.
4: Fuck it all.
3: Lord it all. of Misrule. Declare yourself the lord of misrule, but survive the weak. That is your duty, each and every one of you. Bye, everyone. See you next year.
5: Cool People Who Did Cool Stuff is a production of Cool Zone Media. For more podcasts on Cool Zone Media, visit our website, coolzonemedia.com, or check us out on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.